great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What is up, everybody? Thursday night. I almost said Wednesday night, but it is Thursday. We are bringing you one jam-packed episode of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast this week, brought to you, as always, by Topps Markets. Have you heard about the King's Hawaiian Slider Sunday Million Dollar Showdown? Enter for a chance to win $1 million. Each week, Kings Hawaiian is pitting two city sliders against each other in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash redzone to enter right now. What is up, Ryan Talbot? Hey, not too much. Watching a little Thursday night football, chatting Bills Ravens. I'm I'm ready for it, Mr. Perino. That's what a couple of people said. They were like, "Wow, you don't you you guys don't want to watch the game?" I was like, "Yeah, but we can. This could kind of be like a a, a real time game companion, right?" I always watch uh, the Joe Rogan fight companions uh, when he's not at a pay per view, and I always think it's fun. So we can react in real time to this uh, Miami Dolphins game. Which, by the way, if you're not watching it couple of really questionable throws from Tua Tagovailoa here early on in this game. The first one on the interception to, to, to Tyreek Hill, I don't really – I get the idea. You could see that Tyreek Hill was kind of breaking open, but underthrew him by quite a bit. Tyreek Hill had to kind of slow down. So uh, kind of not a great start for this Miami offense. Yeah, no, they've been limited to two field goals. Uh, you know, when, when the plays have been on schedule and on time, he's, Tua is delivering the ball, but it's when he has to improvise. It seems like that's when he's struggling. Uh, looked like he put a lot into that deep ball that got intercepted, uh, threw one into the end zone in the last drive, too, to, to pretty much nobody. And But, you know, kudos to the Bengals for holding up here, and kudos to Miami's defense as well. They had a, they had a fourth down stop in this game after giving up a touchdown early, so mm-hmm. it, it's been a pretty good matchup, Matt. This is the Buffalo Bills football podcast shout. Uh, so we're going to get to uh, the topics at hand. Uh, we'll follow the action along, but it's going to be great because at halftime of the Thursday night football game, former Buffalo Bills uh, superstar. I don't think he'd call himself a superstar, but Ross Tucker uh, has his own podcast, has become one of the premier uh, NFL analysts in the game today. He is going to join us to talk about this Bills two and one start, talk a little bit about uh, this uh, Sunday's game against the Baltimore Ravens, which, by the way, stick around for after Ross and we'll give you our, our our brief preview and predictions as well. But I think we should start, Ryan Talbot, with something that kind of became a talking point today with Gabe Davis missing mm-hmm. practice after being uh, full yesterday. It's a concerning situation because the Bills are kind of banged up at the position right now. I, Jake Kumro got injured last week. Uh, he hasn't practiced yet all week. It's probably going to be a little bit longer for him to make his way back. So if the Bills don't have Kumaro and they don't have Davis potentially on Sunday, seem to maybe have re-aggravated that ankle injury, that creates a real problem in terms of depth. I know that there's some options on the depth chart. I mean, we've talked about Khalil Shakir all summer and how much we liked him. 
But I don't think you ne- necessarily replace Gabe Davis if he can't go in a game that's supposed to be, you know, weather impacted, potentially rainy situation, maybe more of a run first attack needed on Sunday. Um, this is a really concerning development. Huge development, nonetheless. So, you know, Gabe Davis, obviously the one B to, to Stefan Diggs, one A in the passing game, but he's also a really good blocker, man. You just mentioned it. You mentioned the weather. It could potentially be a very sloppy game, a rainy game, a game where you need to be able to run the ball and you could be without one of your better blocking wide receivers. Uh, throw into the fact that Jake Kumro is dealing with a high ankle sprain and now it's just kind of, you know, who is that next man up? Could be Khalil Shakir. It could be Isaiah Hodgins from the practice squad. Uh, but there's still questions about both of them in terms of blocking. So it's not a great situation for the Bills to be in here. And it's obviously worrisome that this player that you expected to be your breakout star of the year and, and had a great week one against the Rams, four for 88 and a score, dealing with this ankle injury that seems to keep lingering. Yeah, and I, I misspoke there. Uh, Gabe was uh, limited yesterday. And John Scott from Spectrum Sports put out a video today uh, with what appeared to be a re-aggravation of the inter- injury in practice yesterday. And then we got out to practice today and he wasn't uh, even dressed. And I think it's the situation where, you know, you're not worried about it from a receiving perspective necessarily. You mentioned it, the blocking, you see a, a huge drop off most likely with Shakir in the game. He just doesn't have the size or really the physicality yet. And part of it too, is just like knowing what your responsibilities are. Subbing in for Gabe Davis is a tough job for any depth receiver because of how much they rely on him as a blocker. I mean, I, I think they would, I'd say that Gabe Davis as a receiver is probably their best blocker. Kumaro probably a close second. I even think Stefan Diggs does a pretty good job when he's asked to do it, but it's a situation where you're, you know, this is going to be a game where you want to run the ball better and you're, I don't know if they're necessarily going to be able to lean on any of those options. Isaiah Hodgins, especially considering the fact that I think, you know, things that I heard over the course of the summer was, you know, he made a lot of strides as a receiver, but not so much in the blocking. Yeah. And you need as many good blockers as possible in this game. And, you know, we're not even addressing the offensive line yet, Matt. We know how much they have struggled this year in terms of blocking. So you're already down some solid blocking there. You might be without Gabe Davis blocking. Uh, You have a Baltimore defense that might be, you know, ears pinned back and swarming if it is a weather game where they're going to have to be running the ball a lot, knowing that Josh Allen might be keeping it a lot, knowing that Singletary uh, and knowing the run game woes this team has had so far. You know, you look at the rest of the injury report here, and I'm wondering, you know, what what stands out to you outside of Davis? That's obviously a huge development. Where do you you look at this thing and say this would be a, a good game to get one of these guys back? Well, and, and he's trending in the right direction. It goes back to the offensive line, Mitch Morse. Uh, he was someone mm-hmm. that I think is kind of the glue of that unit. Uh, he, he helps kind of maybe hide some of the deficiencies of the other players. I think when he's out there, the left side of the line's a lot better for it. Obviously, Deion Dawkins on his own is fine, but I think he has helped Roger Saffold, uh, especially in that first game when he was out there. Uh, I think that it also helps knowing that there's a good chance that they might not have Ryan Bates at right guard mm-hmm. uh, dealing with the concussion and the concussion protocol. So if you have at least Mitch Morse out there, whether it's Questenberry or someone else at right guard, it's it's going to help him out as well. And then Brown too, you know, he's had his ups and downs, obviously left that game with the heat illness. But I think Morse is, is maybe the, the key for me in terms of, boy, it'd be really good to get him back out there based on the weather in this matchup. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I think those are all valid points. Morse, we saw kind of the breakdowns in the middle. I think you, you, you figure, you, you fix so much of it 
just by having the continuity between Morse and Josh Allen. Um, but I want to go to the defensive side of the ball. And the guy that I'm really looking at this week with Jordan Phillips expected to miss the games at Oliver. He has been uh, trending in the right direction now for about a week. A- ended up not playing last week. They wanted to you know, let that high ankle sprain kind of develop uh, or uh, continue to rehab that thing. And I got to say, out of practice, you know, there's still a... Uh, you know, a situation where he lines up to do a rep in warmups in the open portion of the media, and then usually ends up taking the next rep off. And you just, you saw a video of it, of him today with the uh, ankle heavily taped. I don't know if it's a, if it's a slam dunk that they get him back. And then you talk about, okay, how much are you missing? You know, your firepower up the gut with Jordan Phillips out, potentially Ed Oliver out. I think Tim Settle is, you know, he's, he's getting over that calf injury, but for a big guy, 300 plus pounds, you're probably going to be dealing with the pain of that for the next couple of weeks. And you wonder if he's at a hundred percent, there's just real questions in the interior of that defensive line. And this is the kind of matchup where, well, the Ravens haven't been running the ball like they usually do in years past. JK Dobbins is going to get, he's coming along. You could see him start to maybe break out a little bit more. And then of course, Lamar Jackson. Right. Let me just say this first. They've been very beat up at defensive tackle, Matt, but they have fared very well to date. I thought that they stopped Miami's run game and they they held them in check. I think Daquan Jones has been a very uh, underrated player for this defense so far in terms of the double teams that he's taken on. Uh, the fact that he's opened things up for Matt Milano and the linebackers, he has been outstanding. So the fact that he's been healthy has been huge for this team. But you're right. Other than Jones, it's been like a rotating door of defensive tackles. You have Ed Oliver in week one. He gets injured and he re-injures that ankle. We haven't seen him since. Uh, Jordan Phillips was really good those first few weeks, and now he's going to be out for the next uh, week or, or so with that. You know, He's listed as week to week, so I don't want to speculate how long exactly, but he's mm-hmm. dealing with an injury. We mentioned Tim Settle missing time. So they've had to bring up Brandon Bryant. Uh, they, they've had to bring up different C.J. Brewer one week, obviously. Last week uh, was Prince Amelie. They're, they're looking at a guy like Justin Zimmer. They're working him out. So they're obviously a little bit concerned about how much of a hit this defensive tackle position has taken so far this year. But they've held up to date. That said, it just takes, you know, these injuries are going to take their toll in in time in terms of the depth, in terms of the rotation, the amount of snaps that some of these players have to take. Uh, so it's, it's definitely worrisome. And real quick, Matt, because it's in the comments here, Tua is down again. He's still mm-hmm. laying on the field. He, he took a sack. He was instantly moving his hand, like clutching his hand. Uh, but if it's a hand injury and he's still on the, the turf, that doesn't really necessarily add up. So I'm not, you know, I don't have the sound on, but he's back and head slammed into the ground again here. Uh, and he is down on the, on the field in Cincinnati. Interesting. I'm following it over on the NFL uh, Jesus site, and it looks like he remained in the game incomplete uh, on the next play, and they end up having a punt. So he's he's staying in the game for now. We'll see how this storyline develops and if he uh, is able to come out for the next series. In terms of what the Bills are going through at different, I mean, there's, you know, there's storylines from an injury perspective. It, it feels like we're just making our way through the laundry list, right? You know, the defensive line, the wide receiver position, you mentioned Mitch Morris and what's going on in that offensive line. Quarterback situations, very interesting. Uh, defensive backs in general. Uh, somebody asked about Jordan Poyer in here. We can talk a little bit about him in a moment. In, in, the, in the defensive secondary for the Bills, Jordan Poyer probably trending in a really good direction. It's good that he practiced both days in a, in a limited capacity. You figure he gets back to into the mix. And then it's a decision between Jaquan Johnson and DeMar Hamlin. And it felt like watching the last game back, 
it was DeMar Hamlin more in that Micah Hyde role. So it'll be interesting to see if they if they choose to keep him in that role or if they want to pair Poyer and Jaquan Johnson. That's going to be a fun thing to watch. And then Dane Jackson is all of a sudden bounced mm. back pretty quickly. He's still in a red non-contact jersey, but if they deem him ready to play and he said if if everything checks out, he'll be ready, then you're looking at probably Kyrie Elam, Dane Jackson this game, which is probably a best-case scenario because if not, you're probably going back to Jamarcus Ingram because I don't know if Xavier Rhodes is going to be up to speed in time, you know, where that he might be available as a depth player, as a depth option. He's a veteran. He's played 10 years in the NFL. But he was talking about like getting into this playbook. It's pretty complicated. He played with Leslie Frazier in Minnesota, but it's something where I'm not expecting uh, a game day role necessary unless it's an emergency for Xavier Rhodes. Yeah. So first starting at the safety position, it's good that, that it looks like Jordan Poyer's trending in the right direction. You know, I, I think there was even speculation last week that he might play, even though he was uh, speculated to be room to be out the night before he went on the field around 1130. Looked like he was trying to test things out to a certain extent. So it, it's good to have him. And again, I go back to the weather, though. If, if it's going to be a sloppy conditions and running the ball, he can absolutely help and run defense. Obviously, he's a superstar in terms of uh, patrolling in that secondary. In terms of who starts opposite him, it, it will be interesting to watch because I think that Demar Hamlin and Jaquan Johnson both had their moments uh, in in that match. I think they both played very well. Going back, at it, there's maybe one or two plays uh, they'd each like to have back, but how they play this on Sunday is going to be interesting to watch. Uh, it might be Hamlin at first, and then they go to Jaquan Johnson. We saw that at training camp, Matt. One guy would go out for a few reps, then they would rotate back and forth. So I, and that might be part of their game plan as well. As for the cornerback position, obviously, you know, you have Kyrie Elam back there, Benford out for a few weeks, uh, Dane Jackson, you know, maybe you said best case scenario. And I agree with that. I'm not expecting him on Sunday. The fact that he's even out there practicing is such a great sign, uh, but it might be Ingram. It, it might be something else. And, and maybe that's where the sloppy conditions might benefit the bills. There might not be as many passes down the field in this, in this type of game, these conditions, depending on what it's like, you know, obviously you and I are talking about the weather. Now it's just what the projected weather is. Obviously Sunday could come it could, could be completely different. Uh, but yeah, the cornerback position is going to be something to watch here going forward. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly Xavier Rhodes can get up to speed. Obviously was Leslie Frazier's last first round pick in Minnesota, Minnesota in two thir- uh, 2013 picked late in round one. Uh, they were together for that year. And so they, they have a little bit of a relationship there, but it, it's, you know, it's a whole defense to, to learn in a short amount of time. Did you actually end up seeing this to a play? Yeah, he's getting stretchered off right now, Matt. Uh, he is yeah. on a stretcher and he's getting wheeled off. So one of the defensive linemen for the Bengals, you, it didn't look like it, a hard hit, just kind of grabbed him and pulled him back to the ground. And it looked like his back and head hit. And as soon as he hit, his hands were like curled and he was like looking at them. And that's, you know, obviously I don't have audio on. You see Tyreek Hill's really shook up right now. Teddy Bridgewater's coming in. Oh, man, um, he got slammed, man. Yeah, but but you know what I mean, though? It wasn't like a direct hit. Like, he wasn't, like, missiled into it, but he was, like, the way he was knocked down, he just hit the back in, in his head just right. Uh, so definitely concerning. Uh, hope that everything is okay with, with Tua. I know we had a lot of Miami fans. Uh, in the in the chat last week, but honestly, you never want to see any kind of quarterback get hurt. Uh, hoping for a speedy recovery for him. 
Man, that is just awful. Scary stuff. And, you know, it does bring up what happened last week and him exiting the game with what looked at the time like a head injury. I mean, he he was wobbling after the play. And I know that they said that it was a back issue. But now you, you see this play happen and you really start to wonder, all right, is this, uh, you know, any effects, lingering effects from last week and, you know, him not really going through the 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 customary uh, concussion protocols that the NFL has, you know, in place. I, I don't know. This whole thing feels a little bit, and, you know, we have to get more details in the coming days and, and what, and you, first and foremost, you just hope that two is okay because it's not even about football, right? Like it's the kind of stuff that Josh Allen uh, spoke about recently. Like, you know, these guys are human beings too. And you really hope that he's going to be okay. That was a really tough, tough play to watch. All right, let's move to this game a little bit coming up here in a couple of days. We were talking about uh, the secondary, uh, what do you think that the Bills offense has to do to be successful against this Baltimore team? Justin Houston has missed uh, both practices this week. He's a vet. Uh, I, I wouldn't imagine that uh, he – or it wouldn't surprise me if he's available come game day. Uh, but this is a de- defense that's given up some pretty big days to offenses. And even last week, I thought at times the Patriots moved the ball pretty effectively. Mac Jones had some really good moments in that game before he got hurt. How do you feel like the Bills are going to approach this and what do they have to do to be successful against this Baltimore defense? Yeah, I I think obviously the offensive line has to hold up and they have to block better in the run game. I think that they've held up fairly well in terms of pass protection in week one and week two. Uh, I I thought that because they're so undermanned against Miami that they, they really did get exposed in pass protection as well. Up front has to win on Sunday for the Bills to have a chance here because Josh Allen will still throw the ball in any kind of weather conditions. There's no arguing that. We we saw those uh, gusty winds against New England mm-hmm. last year, and he was still throwing through that. So some rain, some winds. He'll throw in, in those conditions, and he needs to be protected. But they have to create those running lanes. The Bills really only had one true positive run play all of last week, and it was that Zach Moss scamper down the sideline where he went untouched. Any other time, there was a uh, Dolphins defender, it felt like, in the backfield as soon as that ball was given to one of the backs, uh, which makes life so difficult for those running backs. So they have to be able to at least show the ability to run. If they Mm -hmm. can do that, that'll help open things up for Josh Allen in this passing game. Uh, I think that's another reason why Miami had a lot of success in in that matchup is they knew, listen, the run game is not going to be effective. We're going to be able to pin our ears back and go after Allen. Uh, send that heat, really make him take the short throws, not give him anything deep. Uh, and that will be the the game plan for these other defenses until the Bills show that they can run the ball a little bit, mix it up, and really keep you on your heels. Yeah, and I think, like, I'll be interested to maybe catch up with Roger Saffel tomorrow if I can uh, for the preview because this is a veteran that they brought in to really help shape things in the run game, right? Like, I mean, Aaron Cromer was billed as this you know, running game fixer upper in a lot of ways. He goes out and he gets Roger Saffold to add to the mix. Obviously they had four pieces that remain from last year's team, but you, you, you figure that they were going to be a little bit more effective and they've continued with the model that they used last season before they flipped the, the deck and went to Devin Singletary. Now it seemed like last game, they might've switched that up a little bit after the early Zach Moss ineffectiveness. They went to Singletary for a big stretch and then brought Moss back later in the game. And that could be the way that they go. But I think, to your point, like they have to be able to establish some threat of the run in this game and not just with Josh Allen. And you wonder how that how they do that. Is it is it continuing to stay with Singletary and and banging him in there? Do you get maybe Zach Moss more involved early because of this kind of game? 
Or do you say, do you mess around and maybe give James Cook some opportunities when he, I think you can make an argument, Ryan. And I know a lot of it came in the fourth quarter against Tennessee Titans. He's looked pretty good as a runner. I think uh, he's the top graded rookie running back, according to pro football focus after three weeks, maybe the guy that you just spent a second round draft pick. You know, I, I remember a fan saying this. I can't remember if it was in the chat or comment after the fact, but it's like they were, they said that they were sick of the bills using second round picks on, on players that end up having a year uh, you know, a, a, a rookie year where they're just not used a ton. And I think you went out and you, you spent a draft pick in the second round on James Cook, maybe let him work a little bit. I don't know if this is the game, but you do want to be able to find a way to run the ball. Yeah. Get a, you know, get creative too. Why not get two backs in the backfield and then uh, maybe put cook, you know, start him in the backfield, then have him go out wide, use Singletary where maybe you think it's going to, the pass is going to go to cook and you throw it to him. He caught nine balls last week. You know, getting the backs involved in any capacity, whether it's short passing game, whether it's the running game in general, anything like that to keep the Ravens defense uh, on their toes, backed up a little bit. So maybe they're not sending that extra heat would be a win for this Bills team on Sunday. The Ravens are giving up 25 and a half a game. Obviously, a big chunk of that is the Miami Dolphins hanging 42 on them and having that quarter. I think this is a secondary that the Bills could have a lot of success again, uh, even without Gabe Davis. I mean, this could probably, in a lot of people's minds, be the Dawson Knox breakout game, right? If if Davis can't play, you know, Stefan Diggs is obviously going to get his, but this is the game where you you rely on that short to intermediate passing game. Get Dawson Knox involved. Let him, you know, play physical a little bit. Let him, like, uh, you know, try to, you know, have a couple of those angry runs that have made him one of Kyle Brandt's favorite players. And speaking of which, let's have a little sidebar here. What were your thoughts on the Ken Dorsey, the video? Because we haven't had a show since that really went viral. We obviously covered it pretty heavily on the on the website. Uh, I talked about it with Gene and Danger on ESPN Rochester the other day. I had zero problem with it. What, what were your thoughts? Because there was some people that, you know, were talking about how it was unprofessional and something that maybe you don't want to see from your offensive coordinator. I had no issues with it either. The only person that maybe could have an issue with it is someone looking at him potentially down the road for a head coaching job. Because when you're a head coach, you have to be a politician. You have to be pretty uh, even keel in terms of how you act and how you behave. Uh, And that that moment could hurt him in that regard. But if you were a fan watching, if you were a player that saw that, which Josh Allen did, which a lot of the current players did, former players did, why wouldn't you love that? Why wouldn't you be uh, happy to see your offensive corner just as upset as you most likely were when you couldn't get up to the line and, and snap that ball? Uh, when you had so many costly mistakes that ended up, you know, costing you the game on Sunday. I like that fire. I like that passion. That's just going to make that the players in that locker room love Dorsey even more if that's possible because they know that he is just a, as bought into this as each and every one of them is, Matt. Yeah. And to me, that's the thing. Like the thing that I talked a little bit about with them was in this day and age in 2022, with the, the, the prevalence of social media and, you know, the challenges that I think a lot of old school football coaches have in reaching the modern young athlete. I think that there's a level of respect that you get in the locker room when you're able to show that kind of passion and feel that kind of way in the moment. So, and we know Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey, both super competitive guys. I didn't have a big, uh, as a, a big of an issue with it as some have had, but it is what it is. Let's talk a little bit about Greg Rousseau. Um, he's a guy that 
Bills fans are, are have taken note of the way that he's played early this season, but I don't think people really are grasping the kind of jump that he's taken. And, and I mean that just from my impressions of dealing with him on a daily basis is there's been such a jump in the maturity aspect, the confidence level that he seems to be displaying on and off the field. That's a, that's one of the biggest kind of under the radar storylines that I think we, we covered in the off season, but Von Miller's impact on this young pass roster, former first round pick, this is a massive development for the Bills. I think it's three and a half sacks. His pass rush win rate is amongst the, you know, uh, the higher end in the league when you're talking about edge rushes. And if you go look at this chart, I think it was Seth Waldron uh, put out from ESPN, where his name comes up in the pass rush win rate, you'll be surprised to see who he's ahead of on that list. Yeah, and oh, by the way, going into this week, tied for the league lead in tackles for loss too. So, mm. uh Greg Rousseau is having a monster year early. You know, that was my main encouraged, worried point uh, following the Miami game. You know, listen, you lost a tough one, but Greg Rousseau looks the part. Um, Just, you know, getting into the backfield, making plays a sack and a half against Miami. The fact that you can line him up off the edge and on the inside uh, is something that you have to love if you're a defensive coordinator. And he's really fared well when you have lined up on the inside this year because he's so much stronger than those guards. It feels like he can overpower them, get right into the quarterback's lap, and then clean up on the play. But it it speaks to what Von Miller does for this defense in terms of the fact that he's winning a lot on his side as well. And maybe it's not resulting in sacks. I know that's the ultimate production for a lot of the fans, but he is still winning. He's getting a lot of close plays. He's getting some pressures. He's making the quarterback move out of the pocket or or maybe move out of his spot. Uh, so if you do watch him closely, he's doing great too. But uh, Rousseau, he's taken that next step that you'd hoped when the Bills drafted him in the first round. And, and you know, I know we're on Rousseau, but oh, by the way, I think Boogie Basham's taken a, a huge mm. step this year too. So all of a sudden you have, that veteran in Von Miller and two young pass rushers all kind of stepping up for your team. That's really encouraging. You hope that from now until January that it's only going to get better and better because if, if they're playing at a high level up front, even if that secondary is missing Micah Hyde, which they will be obviously for the rest of the year, that can mask a lot of problems or concerns that you may have on the back end. Yeah, I think Boogie and Rousseau are are both stepping up in a big way, Ryan Talbot. And if you want to step up your tailgate experience, head over to topsmarkets.com and uh, get involved in this uh, sweepstakes to win a tailgate and go kitchen. Uh, falling leaves and crisp weather mean it's Tops' favorite time of the year, tailgate season. And you can win the ultimate tailgate accessory from Tops just by purchasing brands you already love. Now through October 29th, every time you use your Tops bonus plus card to purchase participating brands like Pepsi, Campbell's, Smithfield, and so many more, you're automatically entered for a chance to win a tailgate and go kitchen ultimate tailgating experience. Uh, for complete details, head over to topsmarkets.com slash red zone. Uh, this thing's got everything, Ryan. Outdoor cooking setting, food divider compartments, bottle opener, spice rack, paper towel holder. Man, I, I, I think we're going to get you one of these before the end of the season because every time I, I read off these features, I see it in your face. You're getting yeah, excited. Si- sign me up. You know, it's it's funny. Uh, we always go down and hang out with my family on the weekend. And my mom had a top sad. And sure enough, that was right there, front and center, first page. And I was looking at it there, too. And, man, it is very nice, Mr. Perino. 
Speaking of uh, very nice, the Bills got Deion Dawkins back to practice yes. today. Still dealing with uh, he was he was listed as a non-COVID illness yesterday, and he said today after practice that he's still dealing with the effects of Miami last week. That heat and you know the, you know, the especially on offense, running ninety plays in that environment, you wonder how much holdover that's going to have for all of these guys as they continue to try to get their bodies right in time. You know, seven days to go down and play what's likely to be a really physical game against the Baltimore Ravens and up front. I mean, we talked a little bit about it already. They're a little bit depleted, but I, I do think historically the Ravens find a way to get pressure. Obviously they have a really good young linebacker and Patrick queen that kind of uh, impacts the game at both levels uh, in coverage and as a, against the run and even in as a pass rusher. So the bills offensive line, a lot of the headlines have been that the run blocking hasn't been very good. I gotta be honest with you, Ryan, at times the pass blocking hasn't been good as mm-hmm. either. And I'll tell you right now, I have some concern. I know that the weather environment was what it was last week, and it's almost like you kind of give most of these guys a pass. Spencer Brown was not very good last week before he left that game. Yeah, early on he was, you know, um, getting blown by Ingram and some other players. He was getting pushed back. It was not what you would you would hope to have seen from your second year right tackle. Uh, but I think you raised a great point, Matt. You mentioned the fact that this game in Miami that they're coming off of ninety plays on offense and the players that remained in the game. I thought they looked absolutely gassed by the end of it, and, and rightfully so. You're playing in. Uh, extremely hot weather. The sun's beaming down on you all day, even when you're on the sidelines. And by the end of it, I didn't think they had much left in the tank, you know, Saffold and, and company. So that's why, again, maybe a return of Mitch Morris would be so big for this team because he might have that. Uh, he'll have the extra energy. He wasn't in that matchup. Hopefully mm-hmm. his, the elbow's fine and he'll be able to help that unit out. But uh, that is a huge concern. It, it's not a big window of time to recuperate from that game. Uh, it was very tough conditions, and now you're, you're facing a, like you said, an extremely physical team in the Baltimore Ravens. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Who do you think has more pressure on this, on them in this game? Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen? And now listen, I present this question knowing that these are the two, among the two, probably two of the three or four best quarterbacks in the league through three weeks. They've both been sensational, but obviously we know what happened last week in Miami. That was a tough loss there. We know what happened to the Baltimore Ravens against the Dolphins a couple weeks ago. Who is this game bigger for? I guess is my question, Lamar or Josh. I'm going to go with Lamar and it's not so much on the field. It's the fact that, you know, he is still trying to break the bank, so to speak, with that contract. And he had negotiations with the Ravens. They never agreed at a number. I guess the guaranteed money was a talking point. Uh, And for him, he's going against, uh, you mentioned another MVP favorite in this game, Matt. If he can go out there and win that game, and it's obviously not Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson, Mm -hmm. uh, but if Lamar Jackson can be the better quarterback on that day and say, listen, I just beat a team that has a franchise quarterback that's getting paid $258 million. Uh, I've shown time and time again that you can win with me. Uh, I've gotten better as a passer. I'm dangerous with my legs. What else is there for me to do? You know, you would think that the Ravens, even though Jackson said he didn't want to negotiate in season, they might write him that blank check or or up that guaranteed money to try to keep him involved. Now, 
if he loses games like this to Josh Allen and the Bills and loses to other contenders, maybe that raises a point to Baltimore. They say, listen, we like you. We think you're talented. Uh, but are you worth that kind of money, that upper echelon in terms of guarantees? And that might be a sticking point. So, it, you know, it's a little outside the box. But I think for that reason, maybe I'd go Lamar Jackson. What about you? I, I think I'd agree with you. But just to offer a, a different viewpoint, I do think that the the Bills do not want this narrative of inconsistency in the red zone to creep up again. They've been so dynamic on offense. And like they said, you know, none of them were making excuses after the last game. Like there were a lot of elements at play in that Miami game, excuses to be made about why the offense wasn't executing in the red zone. But uh, you add two games of a sample size and something already all all of a sudden becomes a storyline. And so I think if you're Josh Allen, you're coming into this game, potentially without your number two weapon in Gabe Davis and a run game that is, has never shown up for you to this point yet. And you got to figure out a way to make plays consistently against the defense that has given up some big games. So if it's not working at any point in this game, I think that there could be a level of pressure on Josh. And not to mention the fact that I think it was Joe Biscalia. I saw Mike Giardi give him some love on uh, NFL Network and rightfully so found a, a stat. It's over 80% of the offensive plays that the Bills ran in Miami Josh Allen was involved in one way or the other in in those plays. That is a crazy amount. And this goes to what we talked about after the game. This is not a blueprint for success for this Bills offense is to just ask Josh to be this Superman that puts the, you know, the entire weight of the, of the, of the offense on his back, on his shoulders every week in it consistently in and out. So I think this has got to be a game where they, they get some support from some other key pieces. Yeah, I love that talking point, too, because while Josh Allen is your franchise quarterback, the guy that can uh, win you a game no matter the situation, having him involved at that high of a percentage of plays isn't sustainable over the course of a 17-week season or over the course of the playoffs. You need to have other players chipping in and helping out. So that goes back to our talking point about the run game. It, It goes back to the fact that the Bills have to be very careful with how much they utilize Allen because uh, you get dinged up over the course of the season. You know, at one point in that Miami game, they were looking at his hand um, and he took some hits, a lot of hits in that game. So you you got to protect him as well. And, and the best way to protect your quarterback is to get help from other players on that offense. I mentioned Dawson Knox a little bit earlier. What do you think about the potential of Stefan Diggs in this game, even with Davis out of the mix? Because I think he's been so good early on and I know he made that big play uh, against the Dolphins and then kind of, you know, I think he had like what 30 ish yards the rest of the way. But for the most part, for 12 quarters, I'd say maybe 10 of them, he's been just a dominant player. And I expect him to continue that. I mean, Marlon Humphrey is a guy that, you know, when, when Diggs does play a lot in the slot, could see a little bit of him. Marcus Peters is working his way back to 100% coming off of that injury. I think this is a secondary that Stefan Diggs could have a lot of success against. Oh, yeah. I mean, he didn't have success against any cornerback. He he showed that uh, in week one against Ramsey. He's shown it in his time in Buffalo and his time in Minnesota. So, yeah, he's going to have a lot of opportunities in this game to make plays. And the Bills will be smart about how they use him. Uh, if they don't think anything deep is there, they'll use him along the sidelines. They'll get those short yards. They'll use him in the slot. You can utilize Stefan Diggs in so many different ways and pick up yards because of it. So I'm I'm absolutely expecting him to contribute. You know, you mentioned Dawson Knox earlier. He is still on the injury report. Uh, this now it's with a back and a hip type of injury. I think it was a foot in week two that he was getting looked at. So he's kind of dinged up as well. 
Uh, I will say I've been impressed in small doses with Quentin Morris. He made a nice sliding catch in that game. I'm not sitting here saying it's going to be the Quentin Morris game, uh, but you might have to have him step up a little bit more as well. And uh, a guy like Reggie Gilliam that's been catching passes and, and making plays. The Bills need something from everyone in a matchup like this. And it doesn't get any easier because not too far down the road, you have the Chiefs and you have the Packers. So uh, the Bills need to get right and need, and need to get right quickly. We're going to go to the man, the myth, the legend, Buffalo Bills legend, that is. He is host of the Ross Tucker podcast and DraftKings uh, NFL analyst, Mr. Ross Tucker. What's up, man? Thank you so much for doing this. You know what, guys? Um, it is my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. I'm a big fan of what you guys do. Obviously, I have a huge affinity for the Bills. But I got to tell you, I'm in, a, I'm in a weird spot right now because I love the Bills. And I was so fired up to talk to you guys about the Bills and about their season and my favorite team I played for. And if you guys have ever heard me anywhere else, you know, like, I am a happy-go-lucky. I just love life. I love football. I love the Bills. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see. Did you guys see the Tua injury? Yeah. We yes. did, yeah. And this is my first time talking about it. I'll talk about it tomorrow on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. I'm really angry right now and I think anyone that loves football probably should be I don't really believe them that it wasn't a concussion on Sunday mm-hmm. I I think he had a concussion you're I'm t- you're talking to a guy that had a back surgery when I played for the Bills it's part mm-hmm. of the reason why the Bills ended up cutting me which still bothers me because I wanted to be there forever so I know what it's like to have a bad back and back spasms I also know what it's like to have a concussion And so two thoughts, and I know we're going to talk bills, but like, I'm sorry, it's halftime of the game and whatever, you know, second concussion syndrome is a major, major problem. So I am legitimately concerned for Tua Tungo-Vailoa right now, like legitimately concerned about him as a human being more than just a football player. And I'm angry because I love the sport And stuff like what happened Sunday and then Tua getting slammed to the ground tonight and having the fencing posture, it really hurts the sport tremendously. Um, There's a reason why participation in the sport is down. And I'm getting text messages both Sunday and tonight from people that have kids or, you know, they're casual fans and they didn't understand how Tua came back in the game Sunday. And now they watch us again tonight, and uh, it's really bad. So I'm saying all those things to say I'm happy to talk Bills for the rest of halftime, and I am absolutely happy to come on with both you guys again sometime because I'm familiar with both of your work. I've seen your Twitter handles. I've seen your tweets. I know you guys have a big following on this show, so I'm happy to come on some other time as well. I don't want your awesome listeners to think the way I'm going to be for the next 10 minutes is how I normally am. Because if you hear me anytime, anywhere else, I'm not like this, but I'm like legitimately pissed off right now. Like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm angry as a former player who loves the sport and uh, wants more people to play it and doesn't want people to have uh, head injuries playing it. So 
um, it's amazing because my mindset would have been a total 180 if that didn't just happen to Tua 10 minutes ago or whatever it was. So anyway, I apologize in advance. Ask me anything you want about the bills. I love that you're sponsored by Tops. I used to shop the crap out of Tops when uh, <laughs> when I lived in Buffalo. That was like the cool thing about Buffalo is, you know, the people knew that I was a player or whatever. And so you go to the Tops like on a Monday, and if you won, they'd be like, hey, hey. And I can remember a couple times we gave up a bunch of sacks and lost, and I'd be like, I'd be like in the milk aisle at Tops, and some grandma would look at me and just be like, <laughs> just like even the grandmas head. know. Even and the be, grandmas I, and know. I'd be like, I'd be like Mildred. Uh, Bledsoe held the ball. Okay, what do you want me? What do you want me to do, Mildred? <laughs> All right, Bledsoe was holding the ball. That is great. That is great. No, listen, everything that you just opened with, it, it's super important. I, it, I was just at a, uh, I, I coached my son's travel baseball team, and we were just at our like introductory, like get to know you dinner the other night, and one of the. One of my players, his older brother, was talking to me about, you know, he couldn't stop asking me football questions like about Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen and everything like that. And I was I asked him, like, do you play football? He's like, yeah. But he's like, my mom won't let me play anything but flag. And I, and as somebody that covers a smart sport, I kind of was like, that's smart play, man. Like, just, just save, save your body. I see some of these younger players, like, just absolutely putting their body on the line. Some of these hits that go viral are just absolutely crazy. And, you know, to your, to your point, it, these are scary moments. I, I covered the UFC for five years. I'm used to seeing, you know, head trauma and like some of these like really dangerous concussion type situations. What we saw tonight, I'm just seeing the replays. It's, it's scary stuff. I'm a huge believer in flag football. It's funny. I actually mentioned this, I think yesterday on the Ross Tucker podcast, I think what the NFL is doing with the pro bowl is genius. Mm-hmm. Everybody I know most of their kids don't that are younger. Like my, my kids are 10 and nine. Most of their kids don't play tackle football. They all play flag football, all of them. So flag football is huge. I'm a huge proponent of it. I don't really think based on the research I've done, I don't think you should play tackle football till 12, 13, 14 mm-hmm. at the earliest. I, I think what the NFL is doing, I think a lot of people will watch that and be like, oh, that's awesome. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are playing flag football just like me. Like, I think the Pro Bowl, I think that will be amazing as a substitute. And I think it is great to play flag football until you can wait till 14. I mean, the bottom line is it's all about volume of hits to the head over time, right? And I have short arms and I have a big head. And so I headbutted dudes all the time. So like, I'm probably screwed, right? Like I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm probably in a bad place, but um, I didn't start till sixth grade. My parents wouldn't let me play till sixth grade. They were afraid I was going to get hurt. I was like, I'm not going to get hurt. I'm going to hurt them. What are you talking about? But um, so anyway, I'm glad I didn't start till sixth grade. I would recommend waiting as long as possible. Unlike other sports like lax or whatever, football is very much a height, weight, speed, aggression sport meaning you're not going to like fall behind by not playing it's it's kind of like do you have the physical ability or not lacrosse if you don't start till 10th grade or baseball like that's tough right that's a skill sport that you need to really be working on over time also next time i come on the show it's with ryan only because Matt's hair is just outrageous like matt's hair <laughs> Always. is so matt's hair is so phenomenal 
that I hate his guts. Matt, how old are you? I'm 40. Are you serious? Yeah, I just turned 40. Man, I was going to call you a name that I definitely should not say on your podcast. But you can say, say it. Bring, bring, bring it all. I can uh, take it. It starts with a – no, I can't even say that. It starts with a C and ends with a sucker. And in between, I got I'm not going to say what I got it you. says. But anyway – I don't like These people are- that have great hair like you, Matt. Okay. I don't I like that. I, I prefer Ryan. Okay. His hair is on his chin. Yeah. That's right. You are not, you're not alone in Bill's. Don't have to worry about Definitely it with me. So, or, you know, Ross, we were talking about it earlier. What, what was your opinion on Ken Dorsey's outburst at the end of that game? There were some differing opinions in the media from fans. Obviously, a lot of the players on the team and former Bills players loved it. So, as a former Bills player, what did you think? Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really understand the negative. The game was over. Mm. Like what like it didn't affect his ability to do his job. He was incredibly frustrated. And by the way, you know how he felt? Like every single Bills player did in that moment. Like every single Bills fan did in this moment. We just ran 90 some plays. We had the time of possession for 40 minutes. We're down six defensive starters. And we still dominated the game and would have had a chance to kick a field goal to maybe win it. And he was incredibly frustrated. I got to tell you, it's probably why I don't coach. I would lose my mind. (laughs) Like some of the dumb stuff guys do or some of the mistakes guys make, I would lose my mind. So I was like average at best athletically across the board, but I could play every all five positions and I never made a mental mistake. And like, Mental mistakes like that, to me, they're unacceptable in professional football. Unacceptable when guys make silly or mental mistakes. Um, that was not my problem. My problem was more the physical part of it. But uh, so I, if I was a coach like Dorsey, I, I'd be the same way. I think it would be almost weird. Like, what if they showed him and it was the exact opposite reaction? Where he's like, oh, bummer. And I'd be like, what? I I would go crazy. I'd be like, what? This guy, like, how is he not losing his mind? And I got to tell you, I don't know if you ever talked to Dorsey, but he's like the calmest dude ever. So (laughs) I didn't know he had that in him. I I was like blown away that he had that in him. I was not expecting that at all. And like in a weird way, because I'm from Reading, Pennsylvania, and it's like, my 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 parents, my, my grandma's, my grandpa's military. I'm like proud of him. I don't know why you shouldn't be <laughs> proud of someone for freaking out, but I'm like proud of him for flipping out. All right, we're gonna get you back to this game. I, I want to ask you one quick thing before we do. Real quick, did you lose any faith or belief in this Bills team based on what happened in Miami on Sunday? No, I would say if anything, it almost reinforced because they were down six defensive starters and they were able to do what they did um, and dominate the game. So I did not lose any faith in them as a team, but I lost a little bit of faith in their ability to get the home field advantage, number one seed. These are the type of games they need to win. Now they're playing Baltimore. I think there's a pretty good chance the Ravens win that game. I think the Ravens are very good. Ravens are at home. I haven't even gotten the update on how many are any of those six guys back this week. Do we think Oliver's still nursing that, that ankle injury, Dane Jackson's in a red Jersey. Uh, Poyer's probably trending towards playing. 
Yeah, so that that's sort of my concern is um the the Ravens are a, they're a good team, man. Like I can only see three teams from the AFC going to the Super Bowl. Bills, Ravens, Chiefs. That those are the three teams I can see going there. So now the Bills have to play one of those three that I think can go at on the road again after they just played that game and they're still down a bunch of guys. So the next thing you know, it's like the Bills could be two and two. And they can still be 13 and four this year and get home field advantage. And hopefully they do. Cause I love doing playoff games in Buffalo. It's amazing. <laughs> but, uh, cause I, every time I feel like they do a playoff game in Buffalo, Westwood one has me do the game on the radio, which I love. Um, but it just increases the degree of difficulty, right? Like it just makes it harder for them to get home field advantage, which is very important. Ross Tucker, host of the Ross Tucker football podcast. I got to say all of your episodes, I'm a regular listener, but uh, the episodes with Greg Cosell, man, they hit him over the, out of the park every week. I don't, I can't get going to an NFL weekend without it. So yeah, he, it he, he's stuff. amazing. I thought what he said today about the bills offense being unsustainable with 71 dropbacks mm. for Josh Allen in 90 plays, I, I thought made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody knows that if you ever heard me anywhere else, I played for five teams. The Bills are my favorite. Love coming on with you guys. Love Bills Mafia. Love your backgrounds, by the way, for both of you. Happy to do this again sometime. And I'm sorry about my five-minute like TED talk to uh, to start the <laughs> thing. I promise that would have never happened. If anything other than that happened, it wouldn't have happened. So anyway, you guys keep rolling. I'm going to watch second half and root for the – Bengals because number one, I have the Bengals laying three and a half on the Even Money podcast. <laughs> there you and go. Number two, it would be good for me and the Bills if they if the Dolphins lose because again we we, we need the Bills to win the division. Hopefully get home field advantage so I can maybe even go skiing at Holiday Valley the day before I call Bills playoff game. Boom, Ross Tucker, get out of here, buddy. Thanks so much. See you, dudes. My pleasure. All right. Uh, we're going to close this show down here in a minute. But before we get to our predictions, Ryan Talbot, we got to get to our value home centers. Keys to the game. I'm going to come up with a little jingle on the spot here. Uh, let's start it off. Your number one key for the Bills to win this football game. You know, I'll flip it a little bit because I've been talking about the offensive line a lot tonight. Containing Lamar Jackson in terms oh, yeah. of keeping him in the pocket. That That is my key to the game. I will say the Bills in their history with Sean McDermott has have done a very nice job of that. Uh, I think having Shaq Lawson on this team to kind of talk through some of these younger players. And obviously Von Miller is going to be able to talk to the younger guys too. Uh, but Lawson in terms of what they've done in the past that has really worked in terms of keeping him from breaking out and having a lot of big runs. He's had a few here and there because he's Lamar Jackson. He's great at it. Uh, but I feel like the Bills have done a nice job of containing him, and I think that with these athletic defensive ends, uh, you know, Greg Russo, Boogie Basham, having some wily vets uh, like a Shaq Lawson, who maybe doesn't play a lot but could end up giving a lot of that helpful advice in Von Miller, I think they can get the job done. What about you, Matt? My key to the game, don't lose any more starters. I think that's that's the way I'm going to go. You know, it, go into this game with everybody that you can get healthy and try to keep it that way for four quarters. Give yourself a good chance uh, to win. And I, I just think it's about building continuity even within the game, Ryan. Like, I think that's what we saw, you know, the offense maybe 
be affected by the most on Sunday was the revolving door on the offensive line. It, it didn't give them the opportunity to build any cohesiveness with Greg Van Roten starting up front, you know, losing Spencer Brown, losing Ryan Bates, then losing Van Roten himself. I mean, it was just too much turnover and to have con- consistency and continuity in game is super important. And speaking of continuity, uh, shout out to value home centers, always giving us the, the consistency with the weekly ad. You can get over there right now. Value uh, fall value days is going on. Uh, and man, do they got some deals for you? Check out their weekly ad. You can sign up for uh, their text program as well. You can join Value's text program by texting 80692. Uh, text value to that number and you will be entered for exclusive coupons. Uh, you'll see their weekly deals and so much more. Head over to Value Home Center, valuehomecenters.com for more information. All right, Ryan Talbot, prediction time. You know, I almost agree with Ross that this is a game that the Bills could, well, he's saying that that there's a chance they could lose. I agree with him in that. They could lose this game, but I actually have the Bills winning it. It's 24-20. It's a close game for the Bills. That's one big knock that's been on this team. Uh, Weather conditions kind of keep the scoring low in this one, but the Bills do enough to pull out a win. Uh, And a lot of it's because of the defensive front keeping Lamar Jackson contained. I'm going to go Bills 27, Ravens 25. It's going to be a very close game. I think the weather is good, could play a factor. I'm going to, uh, I'm giving this prediction uh, based on the fact that I don't think it's going to be an absolute monsoon or just crazy atmosphere. Probably take, you know, seven to 10 points off each team. But I just think that the Bills are going to be able to execute a little bit better and more consistently against this Ravens defense than the Ravens will be able to against the Bills defense that has already set the blueprint for playing Lamar. Now, I will say this. Lamar has changed dramatically this season. And, and actually, John Harbaugh talked about it this week, that they it was a point of emphasis this offseason. They wanted to make the, him more effective from the pocket. He's been one of the best pocket passers in the NFL for the, through the first three weeks. But if the weather is a factor... Like you mentioned earlier in the show, I, I lean on Josh Allen's ability to play in the elements a little bit more. I think jo- it'll turn jo- Lamar Jackson almost into a runner, which he hasn't been very successful. In the two meaningful games he played against the Bills, I don't count that game he went in for Joe Flacco. He's had 74 total yards rushing in those two games. I think the Bills continue to follow that blueprint. They get a, they get a big W to get back uh, uh, off the schneid. And we'll see. We'll see where things stand. Uh, I'm heading to Baltimore, a little family vacay before the game on Sunday. So this is our uh, lone pregame episode of the week. We'll be back with you on Sunday uh, when we uh, have the postgame edition, right? Yeah, looking forward to it, Matt. Uh, you know, hopefully for the Bills Mafia with some good news to report after that one. All right, ready to serve fan favorites? Let Tops do all the work for your game day and tailgating spreads. Perfect for game day or any day. Visit Tops' Carryout Cafe. Hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pep pizzas, $14. Jumbo chicken wings, 10 count, 14 bucks. The legendary Tops breakfast pizza, large, 20 bucks. I think Ryan's going to have two on Sunday. Pizza or taco log, six count, $7.69. Baby back rib sections, $5.99 a pound, plus subs, sandwiches, wraps, apps, sides, and so much more. Visit top, topsmarkets.com slash redzone for the complete menu of ready-to-enjoy fan favorites. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. See you Sunday. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.